The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the ninth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated, and the children may come forward for a children's sermon. are you? Good. Does anybody know what today is called? Yes. Close. Trans, right? Yep. No, not quite. What? Transfiguration Sunday. I bet you got that. Transfigure. Nope. That would be Saturday. Transfiguration Sunday. Transfiguration Sunday. What does that mean? Transform. Yeah, something changes. Yeah. Oh, took yours. Yeah, something changes. What what changed in today's story? Yeah. Uh, Jesus's clothes went like white, like these. Jesus's clothes became dazzling white. So much, kind of like this. Yeah. Why do you think I wear this white robe every Sunday? Yeah. Because God is the light. God is the light. That's a very good guess. Any other guesses? Yeah. That's really close. Jesus wears it too. Yeah. What else? Yeah. Because um, you're preaching like Jesus did. A little bit. Then you are really close. Jesus wears this too, but this is a sign of baptism. And the same waters that cleanse Jesus, they cleanse you and me too. They wash all over us and they make us pure and white as snow. Now, does that mean you're always good and never do anything wrong? 
No. That means that Christ makes us this way. You don't make yourself this way. Christ makes us this way. When Christ is up there standing on the mountain, he's transfigured, he changes, and his clothes become so white that they're, they're not even white like they were cleaned in the laundry white. They're not just this white. They're almost different than anything you've ever seen white. And that kind of tells us something. Jesus is clothed with something different. Not just white. Jesus is clothed with, with the goodness of God. And when we wear this on Sunday, we see ourselves as clothed with this same goodness. You, each one of you, have been baptized and have this same garment. Now, do you have a giant white robe in your closet at home? No. No. But I'll tell you what. Each one of you is clothed with God's goodness. Has God's goodness draping off your arms and off your shoulders and all the way down to your toes and all the way up through your head. You are clothed with the goodness of God, much like those acolyte robes. Yes, very much. You are covered with the goodness of God. And that's not because you yourselves are always perfect. That's because God pours this over you. God drapes you with this, gives you good things because God loves you. Straight and simple. You are clothed with God because God loves you. Each morning, when you get up and brush your teeth and put on your clothes and eat breakfast, know that, along with everything else, God drapes you with this goodness. God drapes you with this love. In the same way that we see Christ wearing it, we wear it too. Sound good? You are clothed with goodness. In that goodness, let us pray. God, we are very thankful for the good things that you have draped all over us, for the blessings in our lives, and for the way that your love surrounds us and covers us each day. Help us to share this same love and the same blessing with all the people of the world. And each day, remind us that we are covered with this love too. In your name we pray. Amen. In the name of Jesus, amen. Last week, we had Jesus going with Simon and Andrew, James and John. Simon eventually called Peter. Simon and Andrew, James and John. To Peter's mother-in-law, where Christ healed, they brought all of the city to him. He healed again. He went off by himself and prayed and they looked for him because they continued to need that filling, that healing. And there was that line when they finally found Christ, everyone 
is searching for you. And alongside them and alongside Peter's mother-in-law, we found ourselves to searching for Christ, needing to be filled, needing to see Christ in that same way. Today, we're surprised. We're surprised that Christ would appear different. Even as we search for this Christ, even as we yearn for this Christ, long for this Christ, we're surprised when on a mountain, all of a sudden, Christ is not an everyday normal human being. We're stunned, in fact. At the beginning of the text, we see Jesus going with now Peter, used to be called Simon, now Peter, James, and John. Who's missing? Andrew. All the way up to this point. Simon, Andrew, James, and John. When they were called out of the boat, first it was Simon and Andrew, then it was James and John. When they went to Peter's mother-in-law's house, Simon and Andrew, James and John. They're walking up the mountain, Peter, James, John. We don't really know why Andrew's not there. But this is an incredibly human thing, I believe. How many of you have ever had a friend or a neighbor or someone that you see every day all of a sudden just kind of drop off the face of the earth? And sometimes it's something bad, like they got sick or they don't like you anymore. <laughs> sometimes it's nothing. Life just happens and we go our separate ways. We don't know what happened here. I don't think it was a giant quarrel. There's no signs of that. It's just, Andrew's not there. Still a disciple, still following Jesus. Not there for this. Very human. In the midst of this very human thing, something that touches all of our hearts, here is Jesus walking up the mountain. And when Christ gets to the top and is transfigured, we have Peter with this expression that kind of matches all of us. He says something that there's been a whole lot of preaching on. Lord, it is good for us to be here. Let's build three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Moses and Elijah being those two major people that most of Jewish faith tradition is built off of. And then the narrator does Peter a little favor, right? What, what, what does the narrator say right after that? He didn't know what to say. They were terrified. He didn't know what to say. They were terrified. That's almost the narrator, that's almost the gospel's way of saying, yeah, it was probably a bad idea. We can all recognize that. <laughs> it wasn't going to happen in the first place. But what are you going to say? Jesus was just transfigured in your midst. Who knows what to say? And in the midst of that, we have this cloud and this voice and this echo. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Now, where have you heard that before? A voice coming from the clouds, coming from heaven. This is my son, the beloved. At least that part. Where have you heard that before? Jesus' baptism. Again, this echo Jesus clothed in dazzling white, robed in his baptism, and this echo from Jesus' baptism, this is my son, the beloved, but instead with you I am well pleased, like he does in the beginning of Mark, 
he stops and says, listen to him. It's as if this pulls us out of this familiarity with Jesus once again. We've been traveling with Jesus this whole time and we've seen Jesus almost to this moment as familiar even as Christ does unfamiliar things. Blessing after blessing after blessing, healing after healing after healing, and yet we're just trudging up a mountain beside him like he's one of us. And on one hand, yes, he is. And on the other hand, no, he is not. This is the kind of duality that we have of Christ, right? This is the simultaneous nature of Christ. Christ as our brother and Christ as God. Christ near and Christ very foreign. These both can be good. Christ with us, Christ among us, Christ living with us means that we dwell with Christ and never need to be out of Christ's presence. We never need to go searching for Christ as if we cannot find him. We never need to have again on our lips, everyone is searching for you, for we know where Christ will be. Christ will be where we are gathered and Christ will be where the sacraments are and Christ will be in our baptismal waters and Christ will be among us. And yet, at the same time, this does not mean that our brother, whom God adopted and made us joint heirs with, this does not mean that Christ, while friendly, is only friend. We see Christ here and know that this is God incarnate. This is the creator of heaven and earth. This is the one whom mountains bow down to and the earth quakes. This is the one who truly can change the world in a way that our hands and feet never will. This is not your friend who every once in a while you fall off the face of the earth with too. This is your God who has chosen to live with you. One of us, and clearly not. And so in the midst of these things, in the midst of Christ standing up out of that baptismal water once again, and God saying, listen to him, we have a final glimpse of how we listen. As they're coming back down off the mountain, instead of Jesus saying, go and tell the world of what you've just seen, Jesus says, shh, tell no one until the resurrection, until the rising of the Son of Man. We listen. We hear this story, all stories, through the cross, through the dying and the rising of Jesus. This story changes with the dying and rising of Jesus, doesn't it? This story is dramatically different when it's viewed through that lens. This story on its own 
could be just a magnificent and powerful experience. One of seeing God in all God's splendor and all God's glory and we say, wow, and then go home. But when we see this through the cross, we understand that God in all God's splendor and all God's glory chooses and shows and disciples us towards giving of all God's power and all God's splendor and all God's glory and all God's life and all God's breath for the sake of the world, for the sake of the ones who are not clothed in dazzling white, who are not full of power and glory, who are not full of Christ. God gives this transfigured self to the world for the full cost of God's life. And through that lens of the cross, we see how we are to live too. You have been clothed with this white robe. You have been clothed with your baptismal garment. You have been transfigured yourselves. Each in your baptisms, no matter when they happen, whether you are a small child or a full adult, anywhere in between. Each day, you walk with a God among you. A God who is both familiar brother and powerful Godhead. And each day, you listen to Christ's story of power, of healing, of blessing through the lens of the cross. And you hear of this self-sacrificial life that drapes over your shoulders. And as you go out, you find that this same clothing that moved Christ to the cross moves you to this cross too. That you now carry self-sacrifice towards the world. That you now carry your life towards the ones who are not clothed in white. It is good to be here with you, all clothed in white. Go on now. Go to that cross and do your holy work. Amen.